Flyover Politic Podcast, the show for normal Americans. From his undisclosed bunker, here's your host, Tony Reed. It's Friday Free For All. And welcome back to Flyover Politic Podcast. That intro is uh, another event somewhere, another free speech person, not a neo-Nazi, being cornered by Antifa while he's in his car. And the second one is a BLM guy approaches Antifa. Antifa punches him in the face. So uh, I played that just to show we're, we're still fucked up, folks. We still got crazy people, crazy people in the street. And all the causes have now become to intersectionality. Now they're fighting each other. Good stuff. It's the uh, 26th of August, year of our Lord, 2017. Going to do an interesting show today. Um, <clears throat> kind of a modification of a ready, regular free-for-all. 
I'm going to still do some tweets and stuff, but it's still a free-for-all. Good subjects. Less talky, more speaky. Uh, yesterday, a video came out of a little boy who says he is an American soldier's child. And he's part of an ISIS propaganda campaign. My message to Trump, the puppet of the Jews. Allah promised us victory, promised you defeat. The child that gives his name as Yousef said, amid ruins in the terrorist group Syrian capital Raqqa, this battle's not going to end in Raqqa or Mosul. It's going to end in your lands. My father's an American soldier who fought the Mujahideen in Iraq, he said in the video. The video shows Yousef speaking Arabic. He also has clips where he appears to be reading from the Quran in Arabic. Arabic. He's a piece of shit. He's a piece of shit. And I feel bad for his dad if that's actually true. Additionally, on the same kind of subject, Mayor of Venice says anyone who shouts Ali Akbar in the city will be shot by snipers. And of course, the left went crazy. The article I could read is pretty anti this mayor, but you know, they're still trying to, the left is still pushing the Ali Akbar. The jihad is for good things. It doesn't mean terrorist stuff. It just means God is great and have a struggle. For religious purity. Yeah. Yeah, you keep believing that, and your head will end up on your chest. Let's close the doggone loop. Well, I mean, this is a lot going on. I think, uh, Throw Kaepernick situation. I don't know. I mean, in this country, you can believe what you want, and, and it's freedom of speech. So, if guys want to stand, they can stand. Um, I think maybe they could choose a better platform to state their beliefs. You know, and one thing I learned about this here is that uh, in America, is that people, they're followers. You know, if you, some people that you ask about these different topics, you know, they'll, they'll. Uh, They'll say what they heard, you know, not what they actually know. Uh, even with the Kaepernick situation, you know, it's it's a lot more than just um, he's not he's not on the team because of he doesn't want to stand for national. Anthem. I think it's more than that. That may have something to do with it, but I think also has a lot to do with his his play. You know, I don't, I'm sure a lot of teams would want him as their starting quarterback. You know, um, you know, and then it's that. The chaos that comes along with it. I mean, it's a lot. I think as a team trying to win and not have a distraction on the team. And uh, I just think that as a player, there's certain players that can be on the team with a big distractions, you know, and there's other players that they're not good enough for his worth it. I think his situation is not good enough to, to uh, have him on the team with all the, the attention that comes along with it. I'm sure if a guy like, I don't know, uh, Brady or a guy like uh, whoever's your favorite player or Odell Beckham or a guy like that, but you'll deal with that attention and play him. You know, with certain guys, it's like it's not worth it. So that's all we should believe in. You know, I kind of stay out of it because everybody's their own beliefs and you know, what they believe in. So it is what it is. That's a good primer for the articles I'm about to read and, and really got a segment on sports and uh, religion today. But I didn't hear this 
on Mike and Mike or ESPN. They spoke of it, but they didn't play the clip. Because ESPN's super libtard, so they just totally ignored it. But I, I think some fat, idiotic dude named Tony Reed's been saying that since day. I mean, it's it, that's what it's about. He's not that good of a goddamn player. And, you know, they had their little rally this week and thousand people, which I looked at the crowd. It wasn't a thousand, but you know how it goes. Liberals, are it's a thousand and they cut in half what a conservative rally is. Um, and then the NAACP requests to meet with Roger Goodell to discuss Kaepernick. Uh, one of the race baiters over there last season, Mr. Ka- Kaepernick chose to ex- exercise First Amendment rights by protesting the inequitable treatment of people of color in America by quietly taking a knee during the national anthem. He was able to shine a light on many injustice, particularly disproportionate occurrence of police misconduct towards communities of color. As outlined in your office public statement, this act of dissent is well within the National Football League's stated bylaws. Yet as the NFL season quickly approaches, Mr. Kaepernick has spent an unprecedented amount of time as a free agent and it's become increasingly apparent that this is no sheer coincidence. No player should be victimized and discriminated against because it was exercise, exercise of free speech. To do so is a violation of the Constitution, which everybody now cares about the Constitution. Didn't care it under, you know, Obama. Issued a statement, went crazy. Fact is, he opted out of a contract. That's why he's no longer employed in the NFL. And I think Shady McCoy, who I can't stand, by the way. I think it's kind of a punk. If he was on my team, I'd love him. But, you know, that's how sports are. Uh, I think he's done it pretty well. You know, he's, he's not that great. You know, if it was Brady or Rodgers, it'd be a totally different thing. But he's not a good player. But this just won't go away because they want to make something out of it they can't. Latest thing I listened to, the even the NFL player uh, guy <laughs> was on Mike and Mike. And um, he has never approached the NFLPA. He, he's never asked for assistance. And there's nothing Roger Condell can do. He can't force a team to do it. We already went this with the gay guy from Missouri. We went down this road where they tried to force their cult of progressivism down the NFL. The guy made a team and was cut. He wasn't a good player. And their mindset, well, just because he's gay, he's Superman. Well, you know, that's not the way it is. These leagues have the right. These teams and owners spend billions of dollars, and they have the right to fucking hire who they want. Alex Jones of Sports just blew up ESPN. He was the one that released... The Robert Neese Lee story. So I'm not going to go into the article. I just wanted to <clears throat> make sure that you knew who the guy was who blew it up. And uh, the skipper, a libtob, tard, his name's actually Skipper, uh, head of ESPN. It's the same thing. Uh, really, surpri- I'm disappointed. The good intention of our Charlotte colleagues have been intentionally hijacked by someone uh with a personal agenda and sincerely appreciate Robert's personal input and professionalism throughout this episode. But this guy literally started the MSESPN. Uh, this Alex Jones guy. And no, he's not the one from InfoWars. Thought it was fantastic. MSESPN. I wish I would have thought of it. 
had a great video that I can't translate of a Antifa guy getting hit right in the nutsack, which is really freaking awesome. And I would love to play it, but there's, you know, just a bunch of noise. That's all you ever get from those. To the Antifa good, everybody else is bad. And New York Times business, Trump's speech of Phoenix raises questions spawned by his rallies. How long before someone is hurt or worse? Instapundit slammed him. Someone already got shot. His name was Steve Scalise. It wasn't inspired by Trump. It was inspired by Bernie. Mark C. And the media simply pretends that didn't happen. Reuters, pro-Trump supporters, face off with peace activists during protests outside of Trump rally in Phoenix. You heard the intro, my friends. Those are the peace activists. Okay, they're peaceful. Piper Fogel, what happened? Number two, Trump supporters of Phoenix blocked from leaving a rally before they assaulted by left-wing rioters. Update, a few mini melees in the street, punches thrown at Trump supporters and pickup truck that wouldn't drive away. Pickup then reversed for about 15 feet, hit no one, put back in drive and tried to unturn before police stopped the truck from returning. Hollywood couldn't handle this rally. John Cusack, a clearly mentally ill and unfit, removed in a straitjacket or cuffs. He'll dedicate, he'll defecate on stage at rally next. Who would be surprised? And he was tweeting Robert De Niro, who calls him a racist and a pig. Chelsea Handler, not reading her shit, but I'm going to give her a lot of day. Michael Moore, Nuremberg, Arizona, our history, our heritage. Yes, seriously, he said that. Don Cheadle doubled down on, I don't know, it's like a, Bear shit. This man is a menace. Divider in chief. Fear, hate, mongering, shame. Olivia Wilde. Hi, good morning. I despise Donald Trump with all my guts. And his speech last night only confirmed what a pathetic, petulant, dishonest pig he is. And you may know, proceeds to tell me why I'm old, ugly, wretched communist. And I'll give precisely zero fucks. Happy hump day with a picture of her eye-fucking the camera. Okay. Literally, like, seductively. I don't... How do you post a picture of yourself trying to be sexy saying Trump's piece of shit? I don't know. Chris Evans, can Donald Mon please run for president in 2020? Thank you for speaking the truth in the face of so much ignorance and inevitable retaliation. Josh Gad, I did the worst thing I could have done. Watch clips from Trump's batshit crazy one-man Arizona show and then hinged Handmaid Tale. Josh Groban, he's sick. The speech is insane. He's insane. Jeffrey Wright, when you have to go on, I'm not a racist tour. You're you're a racist. Bet Midler chimed in. I'm not going to read them all. Rob Reiner, Alyssa Milano, Bill Eichner, Josh Charles. Fuck this guy and fuck everyone who supports him. Even the ones paid to be there. They can fuck off as well. Okay. Philadelphia. <clears throat> or Hollywood. What's the difference? I was getting ready to read the next article. Hollywood. Yeah. Okay. Antifa is a new cell in Philly. And they're calling for property seizures, violence on police, and all-out revolution. An armed Antifa group is launching a new cell in Philadelphia, which supports from the alt-left alternative media. The group currently hosts anti-police workshops called Our Enemies in Blue. The group draws inspiration for convicted murderers and calls for violence against police, theft of goods, and armed insurrection. Antifa websites like It's Going Down, Submedia, and Insurrection News have been promoting the group, which calls itself Revolutionary Abolitionist Movement, calling on the readers to donate to the fundraiser with an R account. Press release, the group published in far-left media is filled with hyperbolic claims about how mosques are being ruthlessly bombed and how LGBTQ are being battered. 
The destruction of black life continues unabated as millions languish in plantations of the modern-day slave system. Yeah. This reminds me of my daughter sometimes. It's like a parallel universe. Taking pride in the legacy of Philadelphia's rich revolutionary tradition, Ram cites Mumaya Abu-Jamal, a Black Panther activist who shot and killed a police officer. It also cites Russell Schultz, who shot a police officer. Antifa actions of the Black Panther have been described as being very undefined purpose of assaulting police officers. It goes on to just be the douche nozzles that they are. So, yeah, once again, the peaceful Antifa, the peace protesters calling for insurrection, no borders, no walls. Gotcha! Undocumented people. I love us because every day we wake up to a country that hates us. We wake up, give thanks to God, and go to work. Watch the news, hear how our own TVs vilify us. We change the channel and pray that tomorrow will be a better day for us. When they give us a little breathing room, we make the most of it. We're so grateful that often we forget we deserve better. That all this mess is not our fault. We stay low on the radar. Want peace? want to exist without the added stress of having to be public about where our spirits ache. We just want to go to work to feed our families, yet we become scapegoats to a system that is addicted to exploiting the poor. I love my undocumented people because the way our spirits are toyed with, you need some unfathomable strength I love us because we have constantly had to prove our humanity and constantly done it beautifully because to stay human under these conditions you have to have an understanding of beauty. I love us. Even when our stories are manipulated and exploited even when we are presented as gloom and doom narratives. I love us. Because at the end of the day, somehow we always manage to make something out of nothing. I love my undocumented people. Because being undocumented is not political. It's not physical, it is a condition created to keep us from smiling. But look at us, thriving. 
Once again, our left is all about the Constitution, except when it comes to, you know, citizenship. They, they just don't care. That's called UndocuJoy. It's by Jose Antonio Vargas, who is loved by the media and is undocumented. And I don't know how he does it, but, you know, he never gets arrested, never gets deported. He just gets to roll wherever he wants to. And Define America at Kate Vasesco lights up a room with her UndocuJoy. What's your joy? Fight the fear. Share UndocuJoy. And Jose Vargas is pushing it, and so is some media. And that's, I got this from a fucking reporter. Every day we wake up to a country that hates us. That's their big picture that's all over Twitter. You know, we don't hate you. We just want you to be citizens like us. Pay your fair share. Remember Obama talked about that? It's about your fair share. I could say to all the undocuments, you didn't build that. You're getting freebies for free. Woman's March, it's time for undocumented people to have a agency to create to dissent and to have our joy. One hana. One hana. Yeah, now we, once again, uh, regular citizens who dissent against the left are pieces of shit. We're making documentaries about how awesome illegal immigrants are. Okay. Justin Trudeau can't say that anymore. He's thrown out illegal immigration. I'm in Montreal today working with the task force on irregular migration. Here's how we're taking action regarding asylum sinkers in QC. Lizzie Lou Who, irregular immigration. Are you fucking kidding me? You just went full Al Sharpton. We're looting and liberation. Wow. That's going to be, it's going to come now. Remember, Rolling Stones did a glowing article. They wish he was our president. Women's March. Today is Women's Convention Wednesday. Who are the women that inspire to take action? We'll be retweeting your responses all day. Federal musket. Hillary Clinton inspired me to vote for someone I have never voted for otherwise. Linda Sarsar. She inspires me to oppose both Islamism and the hot mess feminism become in one fell swoop. Kimberly Ross, the pro-aborts. Cop killers like Shakur and Sasar types you support inspire me to stand against abortion and modern-day feminism. Needless to say, most of them were conservatives. They never retweeted them. ACLU went all sorts of fucking... I I don't know how... The, I don't have an analogy for this. I, I don't have a way to articulate what I want to say. It's... Literally a baby in a free speech shirt. And their tweet was, this is the future that ACLU members want. Kids being part of the ACLU and wanting free speech. These are the tweets they got. The social justice warriors just raped them. And they tried to spin out of this, but there was no way to spin out of it. Once the damage is done and you put a white person as the face of your organization, you're fucked. A white kid with a flag? I actually thought someone retweeted white genocide account onto my timeline. This is the future that ACLU wants? A baby with a Nazi uniform and a Hitler muster. Mustache, not mustard. That was literally like 30 of them. A white baby looking like Hitler. 
ACU National, when your Twitter followers keep you in check, remind you that white supremacy is everywhere. Yeah, that's what ACLU said. PSA, the future want us babies and ACLU onesies. For more cute ACLU babies, follow us on Instagram. They literally said, who is the racist here? Take the log out of your eye. Society, we pandered your perceived hurts, not because you're right, but because we fear you. Criminal impulses and shrill cries of racism, which is true. What is wrong with a white baby holding a U.S. flag? It's not a crime to be a white American, yet. Pro-United States, crazy. Everything is decried as racist. Time to go through every book, picture, and post of white people and burn it. Sure, because we all know every single white person who ever lived on planet is a racist Nazi, right? And this was the gift he played. It shows... Literally, the white baby, the alt-left threw a collective hissy fit over this because she's white. Is this better? A black person with a plied flag will quiet the rage? Reality, sanitize for your protection. It is fantastic. I wish I could post it somewhere, but it's a goddamn gift, and I won't let me freaking post it. Perfect. And that, my friends, is our tweet of the day. Hey, tweet of the day! To our hate tweets, Katie Couric, this morning after reading the totality of real Donald Trump's speech in Phoenix, I am totally afraid for our country. Mark Serrano, this morning after reading the totality of Katie Couric's history of fake news, In America, I am truly afraid for our country. (laughs) Woo! Alyssa Milano. Hating people because of their color is wrong, and it doesn't matter which color does the hating. It's just plain wrong. Muhammad Ali. So, Bill Sanderson asks, so is this wrong? Just checking. A list. Of people that follow her. I don't want to say white people are annoying, but white people are fucking annoying and they irk the fuck out of me. No offense, though. Newsflash, no one likes the white people. That's from Angie Bay. Celeste said, good night to everyone except white people. Uh, come saboom. I hate white people. Guva, I hate white people. Go extinct. I love this 27 tr- trend of punching white people. Please keep it up, folks, from D's bitch. Social justice, Meg. White people are so nasty. Brianna Gonzalez. White people really are ugly. And then somebody asked her from the rest of her timeline, Alyssa Milana, as long as you're not female, black, Mexican, transgender, Jewish member of the media, the blow all applies to whites. White males, excuse me. White males. So which one is it, Alyssa? So it's bad to talk, talk people. It's good to do it. Okay. This is my hate for the media. A Latino punched out a pro-Trump black guy. You never heard of it. Laguna police arrested Richard Losey for allegedly sucker punching of Trump supporter Sunday. Charged with battery and terroristic threats. He's a black guy. He's a Trump supporter. He even went on Twitter and said, I did it because he would stop talking about Trump when all of us told him thousands of times we didn't want to hear it. I'm not racist. Arrest that guy, please. Please arrest me. Laugh my ass off. 
With an interview with me, R.C. Maxwell says he believes he was targeted for being black assertive, called sellout, and Uncle Tom. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Didn't hit your media, though. He would be a white Latino, by the way, because that's what we started with Zimmerman, right? White Latino. <clears throat> Ian Miles Chong had a good one. It's green on green crime, which is a military term, which means Antifa punch the fuck out of Antifa. And that soundbite will be followed up by a piece of shit you haven't heard in a long time. Howard Dean. that Donald Trump had already uh, gone after Muslims, called Mexicans rapists, gone after women, gone after former Miss Universe uh, contestants, uh, you name it. You know, he had offended everyone. When Mitt Romney went and begged for a job at a, a dinner in November of 2016, I mean, Donald Trump had already been doing that. The Access Hollywood video had happened, and Mitt Romney was perfectly happy to sit down with him and eat dinner. Do you think Republicans are getting praise, they, uh, undeserved praise, for only being willing to name Donald Trump and stand up to him when it's actual Nazis that he is uh, excusing? Well, I, we don't know what went on at that dinner, but I think Mitt Romney came out of that dinner looking pretty terrible. And I think the lesson is don't be with Donald Trump if you don't, look, don't want go, go, somewhere down the line. You don't want to look pretty bad. Uh, this guy is a guy who has no moral, moral character. But the interesting thing about this, Joy, is I think this may be the moment uh, for Trump that last weekend. Um, I think today in the 2018 elections, if you vote for a Republican, you're supporting Donald Trump. This has now become a referendum. If you want to vote for a racist in the White House, then you better vote for Republicans. But if you want to vote for the Democrats and really have change, that's where I think America is going. And I think there's a lot more decent Americans than there are the kind of people who supported the folks in Charlottesville. And Trump is in the minority, and that's what the polling shows. So I think this may be the moment that turns uh, America away from the Republican Party, which frankly, long before Donald Trump was dog, whistle, dog whistling race, gay rights, immigrants, and Muslims. Those two sound bites are just clarifying and unbelievable it's not in the media. Let's just break them down one by one. The first one, you just don't punch somebody who thinks a Nazi. But remember, they're peace protesters. They're anti-racist protesters. There is no comparison between the violence. That's a moral equivalence. Once again, there you go. We've been watching this since last summer, folks. It's been a year of Antifa beating up Trump supporters, the media covering for them and saying they didn't do anything. It's not a hate group. How many fucking examples do you need to see before you wake up Blue check listeners. How? You're coddling up to anarchists just because you hate Trump. And then the second one just sums up what I said a couple podcasts ago. 
Never let a crisis go to waste. Never. The media has grabbed hold. Or not the media, excuse me. What's the fucking difference? The Democrats have grabbed hold of this. And now if you vote for a Republican, you are complicit in racism. That is why you keep hearing it on the media and you're here at the beginning of our hypocrisy with CNN still going down. You are complicit and racist if you support Trump. But now it's more than just Trump. That is why they are doing this. They believe they can win back the Senate and the House because all Republicans are racist. All Trump supporters are Nazis. All white people are evil. Really? Antifa's majority white, you dipshits. Twitter started a new term of service that you basically could not curse people. It was basically for your everyday Joe, because the media elites don't like being cursed. But this guy is actually a Scottish writer, and he put up a picture, June 30th, with all these horrible things that he interprets... From Trump saying, and Sarah Huckabee Sanders saying, the president is no way former fashion has ever promoted or encouraged violence. John Nivens, the Scottish writer, I was wondering what you made of this, you idiotic Nazi dog fucker. Why do folks with blue checks get to speak to people like this? Now that's deplorable. Joe the Descent, that guy says he's a writer he uses the F word too much to be anything but a not too bright mockery of a real writer. Sandy, didn't they say the F word against famous people would not be tolerated? Brooks. Because Twitter has two sets of rules. One for conservatives and one for hypocritical left-wing nut jobs. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Apple, Microsoft, Google. Conservative sites shut down. For hate speech. Liberal sites promoted for hate speech. Hypocrisy! I, I, I would, I, as a friend, what I'd love to do tonight is I would love to help take all you guys down to rehab and, and literally check you in for the most ridiculous overreaction that I have seen by people saying things like he's unhinged. At what point do you just sit there and you look at the president and say, I may disagree with him, but to, and no one's a doctor tonight that I've seen. And everybody's trying to diagnose him with, oh, well, the president of the United States of America is unfit to be the president of the United States of America. He's unfit to be the commander in chief. They're questioning the, it, his fitness. They're not saying no, no, but, you're, but by implying it, what you're saying is you're trying to undermine the president of the United States of America and somehow say because you don't like what he said tonight in his speech that he's somehow unfit to be commander in chief. That is the most ridiculous overreaction. You think the Republicans who you think Republicans you think Republicans who whisper 
um, off camera and behind the scenes the but, same concerns or get caught on audio tape with the same concerns? Do you think that that's inappropriate I, for them I, I who don't have the guts and the backbone to come on television or to say it publicly? You look, think I, 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 I will say this about Bob Corker. I think Bob Corker and many of these establishment rhino Republicans don't have the guts oh, oh, to come out I and know. say it publicly. Let me let me at least finish. It's because yeah. they're because scared, they're, they're not. If, if you're scared, scared, then grow up. You're a United States they senator. Don't, don't be a child. Tonight. Don't be a child and undermine the president. Like this the is look. That may be the only one. Let me finish. Let me finish. Quickly, make your point. No, I'm not going to go. I don't need a blanket tonight. I don't need someone to put me to bed tonight. I'm a grown adult. I'm not doing a snowflake. You're, Brian, Brian, you're sitting here saying, aren't you scared? Because many Americans I, let, let me, are. Let me look at the camera. Including James I'm Clapper, not scared. And the majority of presidents. Americans are not scared. You're trying to make this into something that's not. Right. It's inconceivable that we would have had journalists back then that come out here and try to act like there's somehow a doctor. Do you or think that like you the president? Do you think people should have pretended? I am responding. You just don't like what I'm saying. Hold on. No, actually, Do you think the media and people... Should have pretended that Ronald Reagan wasn't in the early stages of Alzheimer's in, in the last part of his presidency, which is which he was. Wait, wait, hold on, which, what does that which, have to do with anything? Because about because Trump? we like saw it, but no, 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 that no, somehow they're no. one the same. I'm saying that people had the right, and they're smart enough to be able to assess someone's behavior without you saying that it's partisan. This is not partisan. We're we're assessing the behavior of the then, president then, then who's in the highest office. Why didn't of the you land. say this? Why didn't you say this when he was say, having the same exact type rallies he was having tonight for months that we carried? People, for months. People did Actually, say many that. of us did. I don't like the whole that he's crazy argument. I think he knows exactly what he's doing. He's being incredibly divisive for political reasons. But something Clapper said was that But he said, listen, before you go there, he, sure. he did clarify and said he didn't meant that he was crazy, meaning mentally, he's just saying fit for office in his actions and whether he was prepared to do the job. I I'm I don't believe the crazy Trump theory. I believe he's a narcissist. I believe he has an impulse control problem, and I believe he's the most un insecure person I've ever seen in public life, which is something that attracts a lot of insecure people. So he's a, a record setter. Yeah, but, but often you know, his when, crazy when rhetoric has been worse or... than his actions, which have been more rational. But that's what so you, I, you're smart. You know that when someone says, when people say unfit, they don't necessarily mean crazy. They just mean right, exactly. Yeah. And I think that's, you know, when, when, when people criticize and say, oh, well, they're questioning the president's sanity and all of that, um, they know better. They're, ju they're doing it just, you know, just because uh, to make a political point uh, of some sort. But, you know, and, and Don, you know, you know, we have these conversations on your show about media coverage. I think what, a piece of advice that I would give everybody is the president spent a tremendous amount of time tonight criticizing the media. And it's right to push back on that. It's right to hold him accountable. It's right to fact check him. But immediately after that, when the conversation shifts into he's insane and he's unfit for office and he's lost his mind and we're doing psychoanalysis on television of the president, you're doing the work of you're doing his work for him. This is almost what he wants to see happen is that he criticizes the media and the media themselves are unhinged and start calling the president insane. I, I think that's a huge mistake. I also think it's a mistake not to call the protesters left wing protesters that are in uh, in, in Arizona right now fighting the police. I think that's a mistake as well. I think if you could do those things, not call the president insane and just fact check him and call the protesters out for who they are, you, you gain the credibility ground that you need to push back on the president when he gives a speech like this. But you're almost doing his work for him when we start calling him insane. So, that's, that, you know, that's the first comment that I have to make about that. You thought his and speech was sane? 
You thought it was I, I a thought, rational speech? I thought, I thought that was, sounded exactly like a speech he gave in the campaign, and no one was calling him, you know, let's have a whole panel discussion about how insane he is during the campaign. And so, you know, you can disagree with what been? the president's saying. I, look, I think that it is, it is correct to criticize the president's <clears throat> handling of, of how he's communicated to the American people about race and about the Charlottesville incident. That's a legitimate conversation. We should have that, and we have been having that. Uh, I think that it's good that he's talking about it. He should keep talking about it. I understand the criticism tonight of how he talked about it, although I do think he was trying to point out that there are parts of what he said that weren't covered. And we can argue about whether or not that's, that's appropriate for him to do or not. But that's a good conversation. And my point is veering off into he's insane sort of ends our credibility to criticize him because now people just think that we're the ones that are that are sort of losing it over his speech. And that's probably what he what and a lot of his supporters want us to do. The other, the other part of this, so, so where this is sort of leading is, and I heard you guys saying this, is that you know the Congress has to go do something about this. The American people are who elected the president, okay? The, the, the media didn't elect him. Uh, commentators didn't elect him. The Congress didn't elect him either. And so before the Congress is going to go do something like that, this, this is why you're, we're jumping so far ahead in this conversation because you're so upset about the speech that he gave that I just think it does a disservice to say, you know, let's start, let's, once again, let's start talking impeachment. I mean, that's like the signs that are and the protesters outside the arena as opposed to a conversation about should we fact check the president? Did he, is he handling the Charlottesville uh, thing properly. How should we handle that topic with dignity if we don't think he handled it with dignity? But it's a, it's a long term. So, so, Mike, are you saying that there's there's never any nothing is out of bound with the president? Um, you know, there was uh, Richard Nixon was driven from office. He resigned. I mean, do you? The, so the president is always right, is always sane, is always accurate, uh, and can do no wrong. Is it, that's no, that's, it and that's like. not what I'm saying. Not, that's not what I'm saying at all, Don. And that's actually my point. My point is that the media does exist to hold elected officials accountable, and the media has to have credibility with the public when they do that. And we go, we lose our own credibility. I'm saying we because I'm, I'm, I'm on CNN. We lose our credibility when we go so far as to immediately say, you know what? Let's have an, a 10-minute conversation with multiple people all chiming in that we just think the president's insane. I mean, did you realize how that's being heard by millions of people? They're they're going, you know what? I know it's long, but that is the consistent theme on CNN. Psycho unfit 25th Amendment. Psycho unfit impeach. They won't stop. They just won't stop. I can't even tune into that shit. I tried New Day this morning. Every question conservative was, does he need to be impeached? Does he need to have the 25th Amendment? Is he mentally fit? Is he mentally fit? Is he mentally fit? It's like we're back in July, or excuse me, August 2016, all over again. Jim Acosta back in it. Trump will shut down government if Congress refused to fund border wall. He promised Crown of Phoenix. Does Mexico pay for the shutdown? That's a reporter, boys and girls. Lassie. Shutdown doesn't cost anything. It's a shutdown. Once again, not reporting opening. Aren't we fake news CNN? Another one. Upright one. See Jim Acosta continue to prove presidential Trump, President Trump's point over and over again. Points for consistency, I guess. But there was a bright spot. And I only put it in hypocrisy because it, it, it's nice to hear somebody do this. Wall Street Journal editor berates reporters for critical Trump coverage. The editor-in-chief told reporters their coverage was packaged in selective criticism. New York Times somehow got it because one of the reporters, who's a lib, got pissed that he got called to the carpet. 
He basically berated them for what they wrote about the Phoenix rally. He basically said, sorry, this is commentary dressed up as news reporting. And a follow-up, could we please just stick to reporting what he said rather than packaging, packaging it in excessive and selective criticism? And I thought that was actually refreshing to hear somebody do it. It's refreshing. But right after that, Wall Street Journal, Steve Scalise's learn how to walk again after being shot at a congressional baseball practice. Instapunny. It was shot by a Democrat Bernie bro who set out to massacre Republicans. Why was that left out? Math, Mary Catherine Ham summed it up. Representative Steve Scalise learned to walk again. Motives unclear. And that's how the media has played it. Because now that one cuckoo did something in frickin' Virginia, they want to keep the narrative going. That the left is peaceful, the right's evil, because they're all lefties. Tom Brokaw, Mr. President, I've been a journalist 50 years, never met one who didn't love USA. Many risk their lives reporting on U.S. values. Cheap shot. Jamal Smith, journalists don't have anything to prove Trump. Why did you have to even say that? Classy comment from a classy journalist has chronicled the greatest generation. Brian Carey, guess you haven't talked to anyone at the New York Times lady. In case you missed it, they're actually promoting communism over there. Fight for the West. How can you say they love their country when they constantly lie, smear, and misrepresent a president and his supporters? Torre, I love American. I love American. I'm in the media. Keith Purden, I love America too. Please stop spreading fake news. Yeah. Yeah, that, that was a big thing. To our stats of a day, I, I'd play the bumper, but I'm not going to. This this is just one article, and I had to hit it because there was a meme this week that y'all probably saw. It was Trump, the, the eclipse of 2016, and it was Trump eclipsing a picture of Obama. It was a meme. It's supposed to be funny. It was comedy. But even your deputy weather editor finds something about Trump to bitch about on Twitter. You might have issues with the Washington Post. Angela Fritz. While the president is busy retweeting stuff like this, Texas is preparing for a deadly hurricane. We're storming over a decade. Hashtag Harvey, which they still haven't figured out how to blame him for the hurricane like they did with Bush. Bob Shaw, do you want him to stop the hurricane? Stephen, it's been that long. According to inventor of the internet, we were supposed to have storms like Katrina every few months. Tom Brady's deflated. What is he supposed to do? Throw himself in front of the path? But Amber Jameson from BuzzFeed did what liberals do as we intimated last podcast from BLM. How you're supposed to out conservatives. I asked the guy who Trump's Trump retweeted about the science of his Obama eclipse meme. The science of it. Lefties got so upset. They lost it over this. Fiscal therapists. 
What's sad about this is they tried to pretend like they weren't biased and preferential towards Obama, yet they're still doing his bidding. Nathaniel Love, I can only hope he relied, he replied it was a joke, you psychopath. Ash Show, Journalism 2017. Look at me, I'm journalisming. And Stephen Miller literally got into someone and said, Basically, to Derek Hunter, as somebody from BuzzFeed, you go get him, guys. Tom Namako. Sorry, Stephen. We'll try not to report too hard. Stephen Miller. No, seriously, glad you found him. I love me some sweet science me fact-checking. This is important work you're doing, and anyone the president reaches should be made to feel newsworthy, especially with memes. The president, who has the world's most influential Twitter feed, signal boost someone, and we're not supposed to report sharp criticism. Stephen Miller. We're all better for reading it. I certainly learned a lot about this person on the internet who made a meme. Derek Hunter. You tracked down a guy who created a funny meme. That's our job. They did a whole article. He's a YouTube actor and a political junkie. He posts videos of amateur wrestling and video games on YouTube channel. They show pictures of it. On his Instagram and Twitter, Travone has regularly posted anti-liberal meme blasting the violent left, Black Lives Matter movement, transgender rights, feminism, and undocumented immigrants. He had a really funny one on there with uh, changing Ryan's privates. It's a picture <laughs> of Bruce Jenner. and I thought it was hilarious. The other one, man who doesn't want to take care of kid, dead be dead. Woman who doesn't want to do the same, (laughs) pro-choice. Woo! He said he was honored that the president retweeted him. He truly eclipsed former President Obama in many ways. CNN is fake news. The mega kung fu is stronger, he tweeted. And he made a big deal about it. They're fucking tracking me down. But liberals are so stupid... He's eclipsing the sun with darkness. His ineptitude is overshadowing Obama's legacy. He's admitting to be a racist. I don't get it. The the metaphor makes Trump the moon and Obama the sun and Trump only temporarily passing in front. I think in the tradition of eclipses, that would be true, but President Trump doesn't follow the cookie-cutter tradition that Washington Swamp follows and his love for liberty and prosperity of the United States of America eclipses the world. Mega. Somebody said to say it's a joke. And then an entire fucking group of people attacked him. It's a meme, BuzzFeed. A meme. It's just supposed to be funny. But they literally couldn't handle that Donald Trump put his picture, or somebody put his picture, and eclipsed Obama. And this was an article. I saw blue check Democrats in the media retweeting this, folks. What the fuck is wrong with you when you fucking run down a meme? And the second part is, they were trying to out this guy. They were trying to get this guy in trouble. They were trying to basically dox him because he did a meme. A Funny meme that everybody just took as funny. No, Libs. He's not going to ever eclipse the greatness of the dear one, the chosen one, the enlightened one. 
he who doth make the ocean stop rising. I mean, for fuck's sake, you own the colleges, you write all the syllabuses. I mean, for God's sake, by the time it's done, literally, he is William Wallace. Obama, crap fucking lightning bolts. Alright? But let me tell you, if Fox News outed a liberal that did all the hateful shit, you know what the media does with it? Nothing. They call it free speech. When Lauren Duca called for his plane to crash, free speech. Everything's free speech on the left when they're hateful. But a guy does a meme, and now you want to ruin his life. This is what I'm talking about. This is the crazy that has enveloped the religion of progressivism. They are the fascists. Cut and dry. No opposing views are allowed with the left. And as I've shown, I have left-leaning views. I could be a Democrat. But every time they open their goddamn mouth, they sound so un-American. No opposing views. Shutting people down. Crashing dissent. Labeling, demeaning, attacking, punching, doxing. Shame on all of you. Do a music break. And segment one. And this is real. This is real. I didn't make it up.
Welcome back to Flyover Politic Podcast with Tony Reed. But I'm a creep. Dollywood's North and South Stampede thing. A fun event down in Dollywood. I've never been to Dollywood. I live in the state, but I just never have. But John Padertz is where I found this. Because he tweeted, Melissa Mark Vitero wants Grant's tomb closed. Grant won the Civil War. Melissa Mark Vitero wants parades for terrorists. I hate in 2017. The objection to Grant's tomb was due to his role in expelling Jews from several states. This segment is about how far the media and the left will go with these, let's take everything down, blackwash, was a term I heard somebody say the other day, our country's history. And Vox, or not Vox, sorry, Slate, sent Alicia Harris to a Dollywood event. A Dolly Parton Civil War-themed dinner theater audience route for the North and the South. I saw it twice, because you got to see both sides. I'm going to read part of this. I'm not going to read the whole thing. I want you to tell me who's the racist in here. Who is the prejudiced person about the South? And white people. Because she's an African American. The same week that a statue of Robert E. Lee led the death of an innocent woman in Charlotte, Virginia, I watched him oink and squeal in a race for the fate of the country. Lee, this time, was a piglet part of Dolly Parton's Dixie Stampede, a medieval time-style dine-in attraction where seven nights a week and occasional weekend matinees, the South rises again. Advertised an extraordinary dinner show, pitting North against South in a friendly and fun rivalry, Dolly Parton's Dixie Stampede is the lost cause of the Confederacy meets Circus du Soleil. It's lily-white kitsch extravaganza, that play acts the Civil War, but never once mentions slavery. Instead, it romanticizes the Old South with generous portions of both corn on the cob and southern bells festooned in Christmas lights. 
At its sister staging in Branson, Missouri, the original is up the road from Dollywood in Pigeon Forge, Tennessee. It's put on a venue that can only be described as resembling a plantation mansion. Also, everyone in the audience must pick a side. So when the debate over Confederate monuments reignited earlier this month, I knew I had to see for myself whether this was really as tasteless as it seemed. The Dixie Stampede has been running for nearly 30 years, but some informal straw polling suggests that many casual Dolly fans, including black fans like me, have never heard of it. They might also be surprised to learn that the Union versus the Confederacy was just the Lakers versus the Celtics of its time. Because I've seen the promo video on the show's webpage, I thought I knew what to expect. It all began innocent enough until you begin to see relics of the war between the states. Waiters dressed in uniform, union uniforms dropping food on the plate of a happy patron, hungry for nostalgia, and smiling men on horseback wearing Confederate uniforms. As one colleague pointed out with a mix of horror and delight, recalling the deliberately offensive fictional musical from the producers, it's springtime for Hitler. First, though, I'd have to order my tickets, and my visitor, any visitor to Dixie Stampede, is greeted first with a choice. Do you want to sit with the North or the South? As a granddaughter of a couple who left openly hostile racism in Mississippi and headed north more than 60 years ago, vowing never to live in the heart of Dixie again, my first instinct was naturally to sit with the north. On the seating chart, it was helpfully colored blue, the hue used by the Union Army, while the south is assigned a Confederate gray. But for the sake of journalism and the tradition of our president, I knew I had to see it on many sides. First, I'd see the 6 p.m. show with the north, and then later... 8.30 with the South. When I arrived at Pigeon Forge Theater the next day and gave the cheery woman at the box office my name so I could pick up tickets, she was at first confused. It appears there are two Aisha Harrises who bought tickets, she said. I admitted that it was I who bought them. I was going to consume two enormous meals one evening back-to-back by myself. I'm getting the full experience, I chuckled. She gracefully chuckled back and then explained the 5.15 there was a pre-show that I shouldn't miss. Around 4.30, the crowds began to roll in, dressed as though they were going to spend a leisurely couple of hours at a baseball game, which was fitting considering the show's theme of friendly competition. Still more people seemed to be with their families or a church group, and it unsurprisingly stood out in my singleness, not to mention my blackness. I was surprised to see more people of color than I expected. An Asian family here, a Latino family there. There was a smattering of black people, though I didn't spot any who appeared to be there by themselves. Some were one half of an interracial couple, while others appeared to be there with their white co-workers or friends. I just want that to sit in for a second. Who the fuck does that? Such is the appeal of Dolly, it would seem, that it crosses all racial borders. And the show's telling the Union was a confederacy was just the Lakers for the Celtics. Standing in front of the box office, there were two young women who looked like the cast of Beguiled or Southern Bells from Gone with the Wind, greeting patrons as they made their way in the building. Once inside and past the ticket scanners, you were forced to take a group photo in one of several partitioned quarters in front of a green backdrop, rather than immortalize this unwanted reenactment in the form of a $30 souvenir. I asked not to have my picture taken and hurried past while trying to blend in with the family in front of me. This is when I entered the Dixie Bell Saloon. This two-story hall was the home of the pre-show, with long dining tables on the bottom floor and a small raised stage in the middle. I immediately headed to the bar. 
Somewhat to my surprise, a couple of black women working behind the counter. Oh, we don't serve alcohol, one of the women informed me matter-of-factly. My heart... Oh, she put a little jab in there. I later learned they don't want to interfere with Dolly's wholesome image. My heart dropped and my face twisted up as his prospects of experience more than five straight hours of proud southern denialism. Sober became all too real. What kind of saloon was this anyway? I earned a lemonade, which was served to me in a white plastic collective boot, collectible boot. When I joked to the woman behind the counter that I wasn't expecting to see so many black people here, she laughed. We get a few, but not many. I took a sip of the too sweet lemonade, found an open spot at the end of a table, and waited for the pre-show to start. A pair of older white couples sat down across from me, and after they asked me to take a picture of them, we struck up a friendly conversation. They were friends, one couple from Ohio, the other from South Carolina, and the latter had seen the show four times. They were fans of Dolly and country music, they explained. The husband reminded me there used to be a Dixie Stampede in Myrtle Beach, though it had been replaced by Dolly-affiliated pirate theme. The couple had gotten tickets in the section that corresponded with the respective states, though they hoped to find a way to sit together anyhow. When the pre-show finally began, so did the hokum that would define the rest of the night. Two men on a guitar and one on the banjo exchanged corny down-home banter on stage in, a, in between earnest songs about going back to Dixie and my window facing south, a medley of Dolly sing, signature hits, complete with some horn tooting about her philanthropy and a top 40 hit such as Uptown Funk Countrified. Everyone around me seemed to be really enjoying it when the trio performed an up-tempo version's Amazing Grace. The audience decided to clap along. They were very off-beat. And that's where I'm stopping. I'm going to just stop right there, because it goes on as she continues to grade the South and talk about everything in the prism of race. And it left me not surprised because as I've espoused on this show for a year and a half, race baiters see the world in black and white. White is bad, black is good. They cry against white racists, but they never look at the thorn in their own eye. They are racist also. A fun event at Dollywood now has become horrible because of one event in Virginia and them wanting to capitalize on that event for political purposes and wipe out everything in our history. Quickly after this happened, Southern Poverty Law Center who I believe, your humble hopes, is a racist organization and a hate group themselves. I truly believe that. If you read their stuff, it's anything is racist, except for BLM, the Black Panthers, you know, Antifa. Those are all great organizations. They quickly pulled out a list. 1,503 symbols of confederacy in public spaces. 718 monuments and statues, nearly 300 of which are in Georgia, Virginia, or North Carolina. 551 prior to 1950. 45 during the civil rights movements. 109 public schools named for Robert E. Lee. 52. I'm sorry, 109 public schools named for Confederate generals. 
Robert E. Lee has the most with 52. Stonewall, 15. Jefferson Davis, which I could see, you know, he was a piece of shit. 13. PGT Beauregard, 7. Nathan Bedford Forrest, 7. And Jeb Stewart, 5. The vast majority of the schools are states of the former Confederacy, though Robert E. Lee Elementary in East Wenatchee, Washington, and two schools in California, elementary schools named after Lee in Long Beach and San Diego, are interesting outliers. Of these 109 schools, 27 have student populations that are majority African, American and 10 have African American populations of over 90%. At least 39 of these schools were built or dedicated from 1950 to 1970, broadly encompassing an era of the modern civil rights movement. 80 counties and cities named for the Confederacy, 9 official Confederate holidays in 6 states, 10 U.S. military bases named for the Confederates. Fort Rucker in Alabama, Fort Benning in Georgia, Fort Gordon in Georgia, Camp Beauregard, Fort Polk, Fort Bragg, Fort Hood, AP Hill, Fort Lee, Fort Pickens, and or Pickett in Virginia. Many of these are memorials to Confederate soldiers typically inscribed with coloring language extolling their heroism and valor or sometimes the details of particular battles or local units. Some go further. These are about the monuments, however, to glorify the Confederate cause. For example, in Anderson County, South Carolina, a monument erected in 1902 reads in part, the world should yet decide in truth clear far of light that the soldiers who wore the gray and died with Lee were in the right. Three states stand out having far the most, Georgia, North Carolina, and Virginia. Eight others, Alabama, Arkansas, Florida, Louisiana, Mississippi, South Carolina, Tennessee, and Texas have them also. These monuments are found in total of 31 states in the District of Columbia outside of seceding states. The states with the most are Kentucky, 41, Missouri, 14, two states in which Confederacy lay claim. Monuments also found in states far away from the Confederacy as in Arizona and Massachusetts. The Confederate flag maintains a publicly supported presence in at least six southern states. South Carolina got rid of it. Alabama uh, also they break down uh, the prominent Mississippi State flag which, flag, which conspicuously incorporates the Confederate battle flag into its design. In addition, emblems that adorn the uniforms of Alabama State Troopers contain a likeness of the flag. Also, there are four county courthouses where the flag still flies. Grady, Rabin counties in Georgia, Carroll County in Mississippi, and Walton County in Florida. In Victoria, Texas, the flag is part of the city park display that features six different national flags that have flown over the city. There are nine official Confederate holidays or observances, six states, Alabama, Arkansas, Mississippi, South Carolina, Texas, and Virginia, that honor the Confederacy. Two states, Alabama and Mississippi, have at least two holidays in which state employees are given a day off. Four other states, Florida, North Carolina, Kentucky, and Louisiana, Louisiana, and Confederate holidays authorized in their state codes but do not officially observe them. And Tennessee, Confederate Decoration Day is subject to an annual proclamation. Here are the nine holidays officially observed. Alabama, Robert E. Lee Day, Jefferson Davis Birthday, Confederate Memorial Day. Arkansas, Robert E. Lee Day, Mississippi, Confederate Memorial Day, Robert E. Lee Birthday. South Carolina, Confederate Memorial Day. Texas, Confederate Heroes Day. And Virginia, Lee Jackson Day. Things that have already been removed. Virginia, Robert E. Lee. Florida, the Confederate statue called O. Joe was removed in Gainesville on Monday. Uh, 
North Carolina, protesters toppled over a Confederate statue in front of Durham County Courthouse in North Carolina. Kentucky, Jim Gray, the mayor elected to Kentucky, said he will ask the city council to approve relocating two Confederate era monuments. Texas, Dallas Mayor Mike Rawlings on Tuesday called for the formation of a tax force to figure out how to get rid of all of them. Florida, Ann Lopez Broach, City Council President in Jacksonville, says she asked city officials to inventory all Confederate monuments and markers. Broach said in a press release of the plans to submit legislation to relocate the monuments to museums for historical context. Virginia, Richmond, Virginia, have started to hold public meetings for community input on the future of the city's many Civil War monuments and statues. Atlanta, an official with the city of Atlanta, told CNN the city is currently reviewing options for the Peace Monument in Piedmark Park, which is owned by the city. Atlanta Mayor Kissim Reed asked the Public Art Commission to review the city's art and determine which piece of ties to racism and slavery, but hasn't asked to have them removed. In Alabama, Birmingham Mayor William Bell ordered plastic draped over the Confederate monument in Lynn Park and plywood structure built around it to decide what we're going to do with it. Not removing Arizona. Doug Ducey, the governor, told CNN that he will not remove any Confederate monuments or memorials and will instead leave the decision up to the public. Pennsylvania, Gettysburg told him to fuck off. And that's the end of the list. They whipped that out in about 2.3 seconds. Why? I've been listening to a lot of African Americans and talked to a lot of African Americans. Remember, where I work is predominantly African American. I would say 80% African American or people of color, the proper term. None of them think anything of this. Not a single one. Even the one that surprised the shit out of me, super liberal. We argue all the time. And, and, and fun. She knows I'm not a right winger, but she likes to talk to other people. We have conversations. They're not affected by it. But what do you get out of this is my question. This is nothing more than Orwellian in my eyes. These things have been here forever. Majority African Americans, a majority of whites, you don't even fucking know they're there. I mean, I joked to my spouse the other day, before we know it, Fort Donaldson down the road, which was a big union battle, before they pushed into Nashville, got Grant on the map. I won't be surprised if somebody goes out there and tries to file off the Confederate unknown soldier frickin' headstones. We're talking the 1860s. And I joke, get the chisels out. But they're serious. They want all this taken down. All of it. And for those that say, well, you know, a, a lady was killed. Dylan Roof killed a whole bunch of people a year ago, two years ago. Black people went into, a black guy went into downtown Dallas, killed a bunch of cops. There was no push for stuff like this. This is just partisan dogma. 
dogma. We don't even know these things are here and who gives a fuck if they are. For me, it's the dogma and is the fact that northern people hate the South. The prejudice, the beliefs, the hillbilliness. That article proves it. Her, her bias was unbelievable. You can't even go to a Dollywood event that's supposed to be fucking fun. Take off your racist prism of how many black people are because you counted them. I mean, you fucking counted them. And take it literal. It's pigs running around. Barrel races. It's fun. By your logic, then we need to stop off medieval shit too. Because the Dark Ages were pretty fucking bad. Obama has told us the Crusades were horrible. We need to get rid of that shit too. In fact, every goddamn castle in Britain needs to come the fuck down. Right fucking now. It's just dogma and prejudice. Nobody in the South is walking around saying, we're going to rise again. Go get some chains. We're putting people in slavery. Nobody's saying that other than the KKK. And last time we counted, it was 200 fuckers. This is the most absurd shit I've ever heard. You didn't hear a word out of me about the Confederate flag. Didn't give a fuck. I think the Confederate flag should come down. Should have came down when I was there in South Carolina. Because South Carolina's got a lot of race problems. Black on black, white on white, white on black, white on this, black on that. I mean, Jesus Christ. South Carolina's a hot fucking mess. But what do you get out of it? Other than dogma. Enforcing your beliefs on somebody. We are a century plus away from this. Century and a half. Century and a half away. And the left is pulling out every monument needs to go away and doing pieces on Dollywood. Really? To our next segment, As Absurd. It's just about getting the community together and supporting our school. I know the boys could pray on their own because we have a strong Christian community here, but I wanted to show our staff and our coaches and you know all the faculty that we support them. some interesting articles and I thought you know I I don't cover this a lot but Joseph Joseph D Hippolyti printed something that you're just not going to see and in lieu of the other stories I'm going to read it pro sports to Christian players and fans we don't want your kind around here should Christian athletes capitulate to the sexual mores of the current zeitgeist or risk confrontation with the fans and teams they play that pay their salaries? I can't read this morning. The rapid mainstreaming of homosexuality now is powerful ally 
whose most important employee could find themselves choosing between their conscience and their careers. Professional sports, both individual teams and entire leagues, seek to enhance their brands by connecting promotions with the LGBT movement pride campaign. Teams organize pride nights, including rainbow-themed merchandise, not only as, as marketing tools, but as a sign of their acquiescence to leftist views of social justice. The NBA embraces those views. The league and its subsidiary, the WNBA, became the first professional leagues to have a float in the New York Pride March. Commissioner Adam Silver not only stood on a float this year, but waved a rainbow flag and threw themed towels to the crowd. Some attendees wore black t-shirts with the NBA emblem or team emblems in rainbow colors, which were sold through the NBA website. Silver demonstrated his commitment in July 2016 by moving the 2017 All-Star Game away from Charlotte after they did the bathroom shit. Two months later, the NCAA and Atlantic Coast Conference moved the same thing, all their state and stuff away, because of it. Silver's appearance at the Pride March, baseball's New York Mets staged their own Pride Night, complete with color guard carrying a rainbow flag and a scoreboard video of same-sex couples in the stands kissing. I can't condone things my faith says are wrong. The United States Soccer Federation and the National Women's Team wear jerseys with rainbow-decorated numerals for June matches in Norway and Sweden. Two of the team's biggest stars, Megan Rapinoe and the now-retired Abby Wadman, are lesbians. One Christian athlete, however, took exception. Jalen Hinkle, a defender for the North Carolina Courage in the National Women's Soccer League, who played for the United States eight times, left the national team for personal reasons. A release stated two weeks after the Federation announced his plan for the jerseys. When the Supreme Court legalized same-sex marriage in 2015, Hinkle wrote this tweet, This world is falling farther and farther away from God. All that can be done by believers is continue to pray. Hinkle elaborated on our Twitter Instagram page, I believe with my every fiber in the body that was written 2,000 years ago in the Bible is undoubtedly true. It's not a fictional book. It's not a pick and choose what you want to believe. My heart is that as Christians, we don't begin to throw a tantrum over what we have brought into law today, but we become that much more loving, that through our love, the lost, rejected, and abandoned, find Christ. Hinkle position created a dilemma for Christians as professional sports. Should openly Christian athletes capitulate to the mores of the current zeitgeist or risk confrontation with their fans and the teams that pay their salaries? An obligation to stand for what I believe in. Lance Berkman, an outspoken evangelical during his baseball career, also confronted that dilemma. Berkman, who played nearly 11 seasons for the Houston Astros, made advertisements in 2015 against the city's Proposition 1. That measure, which gave special legal preferences based on sexual practices, also could be used to require transsexuals to use restrooms of their choice. Proposition 1 lost 61% to 39, if you remember, and, and never got much press. All of the stuff that is good about the ordinance is already protected federally. So what's the point of foisting this ordinance on our city, Berman told a Houston radio host. The only answer that I could come up with is that it's an LGBT agenda type thing. I'm not for depriving anybody of their civil rights, but by the same token, the ordinance is so poorly written. Why would a retired player even bother? First of all, as a Christian, I feel like I have an obligation to take a stand for what I believe in, right? I'm not about pushing my belief system on other people, but I am about articulating my belief system and taking a stand on it when I have the opportunity. 
Two years later, Berkman's stance still reverberates. St. Louis Cardinals received criticism for allowing Berkman, who played two years for them, to speak at the team's Christian Day on July 30th, three weeks before the club's Pride Night. The most popular religion in the world is bigoted. Landon Brownfield, co-chairman of the Pride Center of St. Louis, said in a statement that his organization offered to help the Cardinals promote love, diversity, and inclusion while calling Berkman an individual whose words and actions towards the LGBTQ co-signophore are divisive and demeaning. A writer for Sports Nation, SB Nation, beyond the box score, expressed her opposition more emphatically. The Cardinals hosting a Pride Night while continuing to support Berkman is the ultimate sorry if you were offended non-apology, Mary Craig wrote. They're telling all their LGBT fans that they are unwelcome in the Cardinal community. That's what so many views as an escape or as a way to cope with the hatred they face is now yet another place telling them they shouldn't exist. Contrast that opinion of Berkman's remarks with his commentary to Barry. Anything short of a full condemnation of Berkman's stance on LGBTQ issues and an open endorsement of them and a message to the LGBT community that the Cardinals do not care about them, except at PR devices. There is no such thing as toleration when it forces you to shake hands with a bigot. It should not be up to LGBT youth to constantly reach across the aisle to make peace with people who view their existence as a perceived threat while actually threatening LGBT. People. Hmm. Actually threatening. Okay. Craig's comments reflect the hysterical, self righteous propaganda undergirding the LGBT movement. Thoughtful opposition is forbidden. Personal reservations are forbidden. Even legitimate questions about societal consequences are forbidden. The message is clear conform or else. Second example Washington football coach cannot pray. After games, U.S. Appeal Court says a high school football coach in Washington State has failed to persuade a federal appeals court to let him kneel and pray on the field immediately after games. The Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals on Wednesday rejected Joseph Kennedy's request for injunction. Kennedy, a Christian, said to the district violated his constitutional right to free speech on the First Amendment, including by putting him on paid leave after he prayed. The varsity assistant coach prayer on the 50-yard line and often been joined by players and other coaches, including the opposing team. But in Wednesday's decision, Circuit Judge Milan Smith said Kennedy went too far trying to press religious belief on impressionable and captive minds. But you can press LGBT stuff on them. Okay. Smith said he could promote disunity along the religious lines, undermining the role of high school football game and letting American communities gather to root for their favorite teams and for children on the field. The constitutional significance of Kennedy's job responsibility is plain. He spoke as a public employee, not as a private citizen, and his speech was therefore unprotected. He doesn't have a job now. Once this came out, WAPO, Linda K. Wertheimer, a professor, an alt-left person, attacked James Lankford and Randy Forbes in the Congressional Prayer Caucus. Her whole diatribe is that you are horrible. I think you and the lawmakers who signed the letter are the ones who should be ashamed. You're promoting the idea that we should live in America where public school officials can publicly pray in front of students. We're promoting an America where it's okay to ignore the protections set up for not just religious minorities, but for the growing number of nuns 
the roughly 20% of Americans who say they are unaffiliated. In your talk before the U.S. Senate this week, Senator Lankford, you said gratitude to God is certainly not a crime in America. You added that it, in fact, is encouraged every year a National Day of Prayer proclamation given by every American president, including this one. Two wrongs don't make a right. Courts have not ruled against the National Day of Prayer, but they should. They have weighed in, and when it comes to public schools, representatives of schools should not have a public display of prayer, which is government endorsement. If I see a student praying, I want to stand by them to hear their prayer, to be encouraging in prayer, you said in your Senate speech. That's a lovely sentiment. Students can pray in school. They also can say a prayer at football games, but the coaches should not join them. She goes on to this whole Bremerton shit. She goes through a bunch of stuff, fucking cases, nothing to it. And then she ends with, I doubt that Coach Kennedy would be getting so much support if he were not a Christian. A Seattle-based group, the Satanic Temple, obviously believes that too and announced this week that it would accept invitations to help lead a post-game Satanic invocation for students and interested teacher. The temple describes itself as practicing an internationally recognized non-theistic religion. Its mission is to encourage benevolence and empathy among all people. The group wrote in his news release, what a concept. Senator Lankford and Representative Forbes, wouldn't it be better if we stopped this with us versus them attitude? Us versus them. Listen, we've spent six months talking about how Colin Kaepernick is the best brave person that's ever happened. He's called first responders racist, murderers, word pig socks, shirts hailing despotic leaders. You never hear an opposing view on that. You didn't see the the black guy get cold cocked by a white Antifa guy. Doesn't fit the agenda. What we've done over the last eight years with Obama, you are a bigot if you stand for your convictions and to, in regards to LGBT, LGBT, Antifa, BLM, abortion. The religion of progressivism doesn't allow you to do that. How have we come to a point that Christians are bad, but Muslims that are beheading people all over the world are good? They're a peaceful religion. How we come to the point where all whites are racist because one racist hits somebody. Yet whites that want to purge whites are peaceful protesters. We've, we live in a country that lionizes transgender, gay marriage, and PPFA. We make heroes out of Bruce Jenner, who's now Caitlyn Jenner. We make heroes out of PPFA, who murder 1,096,000 babies a year, over a third of all abortions, and chop shop them. Those are heroes. I don't go to church. I don't live by the tenets of Christianity. By no means. But I never thought I would see a day where we have fallen so far away from God that heroes are those that stop Christians from being Christians. Heroes are those that don't pray. 
We live in a country where Christianity is demeaned at every turn because it happens to be attached to a political group by the Democrats. And coaches can't say prayers with students because somehow that violates the Constitution. Every football game I was ever in, we prayed. By the way, Moonbats, we prayed before we did any air assault. Every air assault in the Army. But this LGBT agenda has made it so that you can't even espouse your views if you're an athlete, if you're a politician. You can't espouse it. You can't speak other than their talking points. A gay football player who sucked is brave. Teams bucked and finally did it just to fucking get it to go away. He didn't make the cut. But a Christian athlete is a bigot. That's how far we've gone. That's where the religion of progressivism has sent us. Now, mind you, there are extreme Christians. I'm not saying they aren't. But it's scary times when you can't profess your faith. It's scary times when movies like God's Not Dead are huge box office hits. Because it's true. At every turn, there are hate groups against Christians trying to take vague crosses out of deserts. Anything that resembles a cross is pulled away just like Confederate statues are now. And if you espouse, I don't believe in gay marriage. I don't believe in transgenderism. I am pro-life. You're a sexist homophobe, transphobe, bigot. That's where we are in our country. And I say to you, my friends, I think the the athletes that stand up for Christianity are more brave than the gay ones. Because in our society, institutions like Hobby Lobby, Chick-fil-A, are more brave than the corporate structure that pulls out a pride logo to coddle up to things they don't even believe. Nobody that I know believes any of this shit. At the same time, they don't give a fuck. Said it a thousand billion times on this show. I don't give a fuck if you fuck a goat. I don't care if you become a goddamn elf. But your belief that I have to incorporate your norms, your beliefs, and make them mine, is an absurd concept. That's like me believing everybody has to fucking root for the Green Bay Packers. 
and eat brisket. But that's where we're at. And I totally believe that's why Trump's in the White House. That's why Trump's in the White House. Because at every turn, Christian Americans, white Americans, Southern Americans of all races are told you're evil, you're an ist, an ob, a bigot, and we're sick of it. If there's a civil war, it won't be about white or black. It'll be people rising up to say, stop. I don't have to believe what you believe. I don't have to incorporate your non, or your non-secular religious beliefs. I don't have to become an atheist. I don't have to become gay. I don't have to become transgender. And I don't have to embrace it. I'll close on one statement to show you how bad we are. The American flag is an evil symbol to progressives, but the gay flag is a banner to be praised. That's how far, not only have they fallen from God, but they've fallen from fucking reality. Shame. 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 Yes, my shame. friends, this is a shame section. Shame. Our post-Charlottesville narrative is a national embarrassment. Why have the tragic events of Charlottesville transformed so many people into irresponsible, violent, sensorial, and hysterical lunatics by Daniel Payne? Pundits, journalists, politicians, clergy, law enforcement, sociologists, all may agree or disagree to varying degrees about what the Charlottesville mayhem of August 12th means for our country. Any member of interpretations could be useful and instructive. But above all, Charlottesville has shown just how profoundly broken and destructively useless our media industry and political establishment really are. It's a genuine national embarrassment. I do not say that lightly. I love this country. I love its rich history, its political traditions, its culture, its people. I love its religious background bone. I do not love the historical flaws of our country. But I love the ways we have righted them and the great gifts we have given the world along the way. Our priceless treasures trove of abolitionist literature, the Gettysburg Address, letters from Birmingham Jail, our brilliant Supreme Court decisions on any number of civil rights. I love the United States, but I am deeply embarrassed for it and I want to do better than it has over the past few weeks. It is not unsurprising that the events of Charlottesville, an awful combination of hatred, racism, toxic politics, paranoid factualism, and political ineptitude, would stir our emotions and cause some people to do crazy things. But the responses from the media, politicians, countless individuals and institutions has been nothing short of shamefully disastrous. However painful it may be. We should analyze what has been going on in the days since the terrible afternoon and learn from it and commit ourselves to do things better if and when, God forbid, this happens again. What is he speaking of? CNN. Everyone who voted for Trump is a white supremacist by default. CNN used the voices of a few professors and activists to assert anyone who voted for President Donald Trump as a white supremacist in a news report Wednesday and to blame these ordinary people for the violence in Charlottesville. 
Trump voters helped advance white supremacy by giving them room to operate, CNN reported. Based on the assertions of others in the piece, headline, white supremacists by default. How ordinarily people became Charlottesville possible. It's easy to focus on the angry white men in paramilitary gear who looked like they were mobilizing for a race war in Virginia, CNN reported. But it's the ordinary people, the voters who elected a reality TV star with a record of making racially insensitive comments, the people who move out of the neighborhood when people of color move in, the family member who ignored a relative's anti-Semitism, who gave these type of men room to operate. CNN put the weight of the assertions on the views of what they describe as activists, historian, and victims of extremism, but made no visible effort to question their assertions or provide a counterpoint of view. Fordham University professor Mark Nason, for example, is quoted prominently in this piece, accusing tens of millions of Americans of being white supremacists. We are a country with a few million passionate white supremacists and tens of millions of white supremacists by default, Nason told CNN. He's a political activist and a story professor. He compared all Trump voters to nice people who facilitated the horrific violence of the Holocaust and genocide in Rwanda by looking the other way. That was the twisted formula that made the Holocaust in Rwanda possible and allowed Jim Crow segregation to survive. Nice people looked the other way, while those with an appetite for violence did the dirty work. You have to have millions of people who are willing to be bystanders who push aside evidence of racism, Islamophobia, sexism, xenophobia, transphobia, ist, ableist, E-I-E-I-O. You can't have one without the other. CNN laid out four types of ordinary people to blame for the country's racial division, according to Nason and others. One group is the down-low segregationists who say they've, they're against segregation but actively segregate themselves. Second group is those who say yes, but who are characterized report as those who condemn racism but at the same time qualify their condemnation. Then there's those who choose chaos. Who CNN reports supported Trump for the entertainment factor and then those who look the other way. If you want to know why those white racists now feel so emboldened, it may help to look at all the ordinary people around you, your neighbors, your family members, your leaders. But first, start by looking at yourself, CNN concluded. CNN did not respond to requests for comment. Same time this came out, no sympathy for the hillbilly by Frank Rich graced the New York Times. Democrats need to stop trying to feel everyone's pain and hold on to their own... Anger. Shame. Shame. Next, I found nearly half of liberals don't even like to be around Trump supporters. Liberals just don't just hate Trump. Lots of them don't even like the idea of being around company of supporters. A new Pew Research Center survey, which is just the latest indicator of our remarkably tribal and partisan politics. And when it comes to Trump, it's difficult to overstate just how tribal the left is and how much distaste he endears. Indeed, that distaste apparently extends even to people who decide they'd like to vote for Trump. The poll shows almost half of liberal Democrats, 47%, say that if a friend supported Trump, it would actually put a strain on their friendship. Among Democrats and Democratic-leaning voters, more broadly, the number is 35%. White and more educated Democrats are more likely to feel that it's tough to even be friends with a Trump Trump uh, supporter. Black, 72%. Yeah. 
And while partisanship and tribalism are pretty bipartisan things in American politics today, Democrats are actually substantially less able to countenance friends who support the wrong candidate. Just 13% of Republicans say a friend supported Hillary Clinton would strain their friendship. 13. Shame. 13. 63% of Dems. Part of the reason for the imbalance is likely that liberals tend to live in more homogenous places and don't even associate with conservatives. Another Pew study last year showed a whopping 47% of people who plan to vote for Clinton don't have any close friends who were Trump supporters. By contrast, 31% of Trump supporters said they had friends who backed Clinton. Because of the way our population is sorted with liberal clusters in urban areas and Republicans are more spread out, Democrats tend to be more insulated from dissenting political voices. So perhaps it's no surprise they don't hear and don't want to hear those voices coming from their friends' mouths. And God knows they don't hear it from the media. The prevalent belief on the left that Trump isn't just a bad president or person, but is also all those demeaning terms Undoubtedly a player, too. And at one point during the 2016 presidential campaign, Clinton even suggested half of Trump supporters were deplorables. Shame. Her campaign later clarified that she meant only people at Trump rallies. Shame. But still. Despite that, it's noteworthy just how many people think supporting the nominee of a major American political party reflects poorly upon the Americans they know. Fully 46% of Americans who voted for president chose Trump. And that Shame. isn't really an acceptable position for a friend to take Shame. for half of liberal Democrats. Shame. One final data point from the new Pew study. Shame. 68% Shame. of Democrats and Democratic-leaning voters say Shame. they find it stressful Shame. and frustrating to talk to people Shame. who have a different Shame. opinion of Trump. 52% Shame. of Republicans Shame. say the same. Shame. Shame. Shame on all of you. Every one of you. And anybody who's listened to the show, I have laid it out. We had Paige from Oregon, who's never known a soldier, doesn't know any conservatives, never heard an opposing view on abortion, immigration, foreign policy. Where I live in the South, I know liberals, independents, Fucking moon bats. I don't know any racist. Just not in my circle of friends. So I haven't met the KKK classification. So I could round out everybody. It's a sad day when a political party, that being the Democrats, have brainwashed This many people to be so afraid of one person, yet the checks and balances are working. Just like I said on this show, he's not doing anything because the system works. But you scared people so bad, they now hate their neighbor. And now the media and the Democrats, as we just showed on this show, are expounding upon it. Not only hate your neighbor, out your neighbor, attack your neighbor. Anybody who doesn't agree with you is evil. They're a Nazi. Vote for a Republican. You're a racist. I didn't make that up. 
you heard it in full context. Shame. And this is shameful. Shame. And I blame one party only. Donald Trump is one person. He's a jackass. Shame. He isn't qualified to be president, Shame. but neither was your candidate. Shame. But you rigged your election so she Shame. would win. So whose Shame. fault is it? Yours. Shame. You didn't have an open election, Shame. Democrats. You had a closed election. Shame. It was predetermined Shame. before the first vote was cast. Shame. It was predetermined Shame. in motherfucking January 2013, Shame. my friends. Shame. You chose this. Shame. Shame. And you have now made Shame. your supporters Shame. hate their countrymen. Shame. Shame. And we got people shooting fucking Republicans. Shame. And we got a mob that goes after anybody with a Shame. mega hat. Shame. 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 To a music break. News. Social Shame. media nuggets. Shame. 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 Shame.
poking at the media bubble, one podcast at a time. Here's Tony Reed. Come fly with me, let's fly, let's fly away. If you can use some exotic booze, there's a bar in far Bombay. Come on and fly with me. Let's fly, let's fly away. Stop. Now it's time for news and social media nuggets. The crazy stuff that makes your host lose his mind. Military corner without a bumper because I'm going long today. Of course, we already know by now, U.S. aircraft carrier and forces are heading to Afghanistan. I just want to take the time. Godspeed, boys. Finish it up. I am one that want this war to finish out right. I know there might not be a right to it, but we've, we've given so much blood over there and lost so many friends and Godspeed and watch over you. Army identifies soldier was shot and killed in a training accident. The Fort Carson, Colorado soldier killed Wednesday in a training live fire exercise accident was Specialist Matthew Turcott, 20, who was assigned to 2nd Infantry Brigade Combat Team, 4th Infantry Division, the release said. Extensive medical aid was provided to Turcott at the accident location. However, he was pronounced dead on the range. And, uh... Things I've got from it sounds like a bullet got between this IBA. So, uh, that's, we've had a couple at Campbell where the bullet got through the side and went back and forth between the plates, and that's just horrible. So, God be with this family. The Navy just successfully tested a new missile from the AB-1B Lancer, or AB-1B Lancer, sorry. Here's why Russia and China should be scared. The U.S. Navy and Lockheed Martin have conducted the first free flight Launch of an AGM-158C long-range anti-ship missile, the LRASM, from an Air Force Rockwell International B-1B Lancer bomber, according to the Navy. This test represents a major accomplishment for the LRASM program and the dedicated team of government and industry professionals committed to accelerate acquisition. Captain Todd Huber, Naval Air System Command, RASM Program Director, said in a statement, Today's marks a significant step towards providing the operational community with a leap in critical surface warfare capability by next year. Mm-hmm. Very interesting. Six Hour just unveiled a feisty new compact personal defense weapon. Hot off its new contract with the U.S. Army, Six Hour has unveiled a new compact carbine which the company claims is the most discreet platform ever, the MCX Rattler. The Rattler, a compact personal defense weapon built at the request of the elite military units, is based on the Six Sauer popular line of MCX gas-operated piston AR-15-style rifles. But MCX has a benefit of not needing a buffer tube in the stock like a conventional AR-15, allowing the rifle to host a more compact folding stock. As a result, the company claims that the 
that the uh, Rattler, shorter than any M4 ever produced, Six Sour's new carbine goes even further with a short 5.5-inch barrel and a specialized PDW upper, giving the carbine an overall length of just 16 inches. The Rattler offers an M4 ballistics and a subgun package, so it's an M4 that actually looks like an MP5. Love to get my dick beaters on those. Just go to the range one day. You can now own Maverick's actual flight suit from Top Gun. There's no fake Navy pilot cooler than a Lieutenant Pete Maverick Mitchell from the 86 Top Gun Classic. Well, now you may be able to suit up and finally live out your childhood aviator fantasy thanks to an online auction. The flight suit worn by actor Tom Cruise and its portrayal of Maverick is going to bid on September 26th, according to Back to the Movies, an English movie news site. Unfortunately, it's purchase that may put your wallet on the highway to the danger zone. The news site reports that the to win it, the bidders will likely need to front as much as $40,000. The Maverick suit isn't the only item available to burn up all your savings. The other swag is uh, Indiana Jones bullwhip, Thor's hammer, and the bad motherfucker wallet from Pulp Fiction. It looks like, uh, we guess this means he won't be in a flight suit for Top Gun 2, because that is actually coming out. Our last snippet is from Allison Jaslow, who served in the military approximately zero days on CNN. CNN, we need a new national conversation about war. Yeah, that's what CNN's pushing now. I saw one on HuffPo. You know, Obama was fighting wars for eight years. We never even heard the body count. But if things get hot over in Afghanistan, I fucking guarantee you, you will start seeing tote boards on your nightly news again. And now all of a sudden, that there's not a Democrat in the White House. We need a new discussion. Oh, really? Crazy music means it's crazy time. UAE imprisons transgender Singaporean friend for their luck. Just wanted to hit that one to let all you people that say America is this horrible country and we treat LGBTQ coastline of four people bad. Yeah, no. We've already covered on the show. Your Muslim-friendly nations that you say are all peaceful, but they all want to chop our fucking heads off over there. Yeah, they execute and prison the whole nine yards, so... You're an idiot. Milwaukee teen arrested for punching his teacher. One week into the school year, a student has been arrested for attacking a teacher in the middle of class. Cell phone video captured the exact moment a 16-year-old student went from a confrontation with teacher to knocking him down and punching him over and over. That scares me. Oh, my God. That really scares me. Nikki Gerth, who is a freshman daughter of South Division High School, Nikki and Jerry Girth did not know this fight happened at their daughter's school. It makes me mad, said Jerry Girth. A student from South Division says the man is well known among kids. He's like kind of like a helper. He mostly just like if a kid has a question, he helps him out. And this African-American young kid punched him in the face. I will guarantee if it was a black teacher and it was a white student, you'd have heard of it. But you didn't hear from it. Didn't hear a damn thing, did you? Interesting, but expectable. 
Video show East High cheerleaders repeatedly forcing into splits. Police are investigating. This happened in Denver, and that video is fucking horrible. I feel so bad for that girl. The teacher was there, and they're just like, oh my god. Oh my god. It looked painful, so that's that's going to be a case somewhere. This one is creepy weird. Dutch sperm donor fathered 102 children by donating 11 different clinics. They broke down over here so they don't turn into Game of Thrones and have inbreeding. Literally, they sign a document that they only go to one place and they can only donate 23 times. This dude, of course, did not follow the instructions. And now he has got 102 fucking kids all over the state. And, of course, in this article, they say, we're just really worried about cousins. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'd be worried, too. That's that's some... Wow. That dude must like jerking off or something. New Jersey's oldest redis- resident, whose secret to longevity was alcohol, dies at 112. This lady, Amy Fenton, we covered her last year. Um, the doctor told her to use alcohol in 1943 because she had a benign tumor. tumor and so she drove whiskey... By the end, she was just taking wine. But you go, Grandma. Godspeed to heaven. That is awesome. I, I would give anything to live that long. Wow. She drank Blue Label. Blue Label. Daily. Johnny Walker. Mm-hmm. Snapchat photo leads to rape charge in Camden County. Basically, a 24-year-old dude raped and assaulted a woman... He put it on Snapchat, and one of the girl's friends found it. Horrible that she was sexually assaulted, but I cover it for, you know, criminals are stupid. I'm just going to throw it. Who the fuck Snapchats that? A sexual assault. Really? Really? You're a sick fuck for the sexual assault, but you're uber sick because you wanted to put a trophy of us raping somebody I hope you spend a long time and a dude named Bubba starts raping you. Black Rock City rises from Playa. Thousands begin to send on the Burning Man for a week of debauchery in the Nevada desert. Cover this every year because that's where all the hippies get together. Smoke their fucking ganja. Act like assholes. But remember, Christians are pieces of shit because they pray. Yeah, just remember that. Taylor Swift should be placed on a watch list. I am not going to read this because I hate Taylor Swift, but this was a huge thing this week all over the internet because she shut down her social media. What are we going to do? We don't know what Taylor's doing. Ah! I know me and my squad were broke. We were broke down over this. Riddick Lee Principal suspends use of Dixie and its fight songs. There's probably 12 of these down south now. They say the word Dixie. It's got to go away. Can't say even the word Dixie. You named your kid Dixie, your poodle Dixie. Undixie that motherfucker. The fuck's wrong with you, you goddamn racist? To the college crazy, Library of Inclusion pops up at Clemson. This is a roaming library. They bring it to dorms, and all the documents are about white privilege and inclusion. It's all about inclusion. Okie dokie. Professor accuses Trump voters of authoritarianism and prejudice. Here we go again. 
In a post on the UCSC News Center website, the university touts an article by Professor Thomas Pettigrew that was recently published in the Journal of Social and Political Psychology, in which he asserts that authoritarianism, social dominance orientation, prejudice, a relative deprivation, and internet group con- and intergroup context, excuse me, are the five social psychological factors that led voters to coalesce around the male nativist and populists who are less educated than the general population who say, he says, made up the core of the Trump movement. So he got everything in there. Your stupid fucking hillbilly redneck pieces of shit. Yeah, that's what's teaching our kids. Yeah. And this one, Clemson professor, all Republicans are racist scum. Woohoo! Yeah. A Clemson University professor is labeling all Donald Trump supporters and Republicans as racist scum, demanding that they denounce your affiliation or admit you're racist. Professor Bart Kingenberger even directly advocated violence in a Facebook post. I admire anyone who stands up against white supremacy, violent or nonviolent, and adding the hashtag, hashtag punch a Nazi. All right. Woo! Support group ponders surviving at predominantly white Mizzou. The University of Missouri is hosting weekly meetings exclusively for student staff and faculty of color to discuss healing from racial injustice at the predominantly white institution. The school website describes the group as a student-led support group, but a flyer promoting the meetings lists numerous university departments as apparent co-sponsor. On it, it says, Come share your experiences and learn strategies to heal from racial discomfort. Healing from Racial Injustice, a group for studies, staff, and faculty of color to build community and share experiences as a person of color, the predominantly white institution, and heal together. Description states, noting that past discussions have focused on racial identity, develop, mindfulness, colorism, self-love, and experience of holding two or three marginalized identities. You know, they always use that self-love, and the first thing I think of is, okay, are you teaching them to jack off? Because I don't understand that. Yeah. The actual, it says, this group is provide a space for process violence against people of color, validate and affirm one another, process risks related micro and my macro and microaggressions. Because there's a macro. Remember, we covered that. Heal as a community. Yeah. Wow. Plenty of all black schools you could have gone to. Plenty of them. If your problem is you just don't like being around white people, plenty of black colleges all over the place. Study social justice activism is rife with oppression. This one, a group of social justice-minded professors recently surveyed fellow activists discovered that the field is rife with experience of oppression, particularly for those with multiple oppressed identities. Sounds like we're talking about Sybil. The activists in the survey reported that even among their ostensibly tolerant peers, they've been heckled for being queer, tokenized for being transgender, and even silenced for being a young feminist. I've definitely been heckled for being queer. There's a lot of fat oppression that I've dealt with. <laughs> Many individuals in these subpopulations are not easily placed in the gender or sexuality binary that is commonly accepted in dominant Western cultures. The study explains adding that a rigid binary creates personal consequences of activism. Many find social support and decreased isolation through engagement with established activism groups. 
multiple oppressed identities. Many are experienced invalidation, tokenism, marginalization within activist communities. Yeah. You got problems in your own group. Why aren't we fucked up, folks? How am I fucked up? Just, I mean, well, come on. Social justice warriors want university to ban veterans. You know this one got my undies and a goddamn fucking super bunch. And I don't wear undies. Oh, sweet Lord Jesus. It's going to be hard to read this one. A flyer recently appeared at the University of Colorado, Colorado Springs, declaring that in order to protect our academic institutions, we must ban veterans from four-year universities. The group that apparently hung the flyer is not affiliated with the actual school. Got to ban veterans are bad. Let's figure out why we're bad. The flyer is part of a new social justice collective weekly newsletter, which is not affiliated with the school and is aimed at promoting justice in our society. The first issue of the newsletter included an article, Should Veterans Be Banned from Plank and Other Universities? Extremist right-wing groups must be suppressed on campus. This would include their followers, veterans. A four-year traditional university is supposed to be a place of learning, of understanding, of safety and security. However, there's an element among us who may be frustrating those goals. Veterans! The article asserts defending that those claim, the claim was sweeping assumptions about those who served in the military. Many veterans openly mock the ideas of diversity and safe spaces for vulnerable members of society. The author contends, saying that this is directly in contradiction to the mission of this academy. The newsletter also states that many veterans say they do not see color, but dismiss the claim as untrue because of their socialization in the military cult organization and culture that is that of a white supremacist organization. The article then complains that veterans typically have an overwhelmingly presence in the classroom which distracts other students particularly vulnerable individuals such as the LBTQQI2SAA. Woo! That's the first time I've seen that one. I'll stick to my LGBTQ cosine of four. Who have been known to be the butt of insensitive jokes made by veterans, claiming that veterans usually are associated with extreme right-wing groups such as the Tea Party and the NRA. The author contends that in order to be a safe space for all students, extremist right-wing groups must be suppressed on campus. This would include their followers, veterans. Still, the article graciously allows a veteran should not be excluded from attaining an education entirely, positing that they should be allowed to attend trade schools or maybe even a community college. Oh, really? Yeah, it's an actual flyer. I'm going to blog this one. I'm going to blog it. UCC tried to spin off it because for fuck's sake, Colorado Springs is fucking surrounded by military people. In there, veterans are positive and valued members of our academic campus community that bring experience and viewpoints and enrich our discussion and money because they pay their tuitions. It comes from Uncle Sugar. Once again, thesis point, my friends. What do I always say? Liberals hate the media. What do they do? Prove me right. That's my fucking chant. Do a lighter fare, you motherfuckers!
Oh, now that I've taken my blood pressure pills off that last article. Um, I don't know if I played this. I think I did, but I can't remember because I haven't listened to my own damn podcast. I ran into a dude named Damn Drops. And if I played this before, I am so sorry. I am so sorry, but I can't remember if I did. So this is the first lighter fair that I am just stepping out and unsure of myself. I am so, I need a support group. Podcasters who are fucking brain dead and can't remember what they've talked about. Um, but this guy does YouTube channel and he does reviews on food. And I think this is the funniest fucking shit ever. Um, so I'm playing it again. And if I played it again, because I think I did, I don't remember. I saw it on Wahlburgers, whatever. We're going to play it. Here's his shit on freaking his review of five guys, which is my favorite fucking burger. Cause I don't have fat burger. He's trumped this with fat burger. And on the backside of that, you're going to hear Nancy Pelosi say something. Cause I find this comedic also. YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, HMA, man, Dan drops back in one of the super office, yo! Review King Digger, baby. Hey, listen, man. YouTuber ZDAR25, hit me up in the comment section below, like y'all should be doing, and was like, hey, man, what I need for you to do, Big Dame, is slide down to Five Guys, Burgers and Fries, and get yourself that double cheeseburger player. I said, oh, shoot. There is a Five Guys Burgers and Fries out where I live in Connecticut. Let me slide to the spot. Oh, that, that was ghetto, that. Ah! Ah. Look, at the, look, at the, look at the bag that they give you your food in, man. Let, let's start there. There's nothing on the bag whatsoever. It's a very plain bag filled with a couple grease stains, letting you know how official and fattening the food is for you, baby. But then they give it to you in like a, a half a ghetto grocery bag, man. Like, when was the last time you seen a ghetto grocery bag? For some of us that are, you know, 30 plus, last time we seen the ghetto grocery bag, we were uh, copping these at Stop and Shop and putting them on our school books, you dig? But, uh, yeah. Mmm. Oh, and it smells good. I wish, I wish you could smell what I'm smelling, you too. Mmm. Oh, boy. All right, listen, let me get up in here. Let me dig. I mean, I got to dig past the fries. No, I'm not even digging past the fries. Let me, let me light one of these joints on fire. Mmm. Mmm. You too. Dig that, dig that fry right there. Peep game on the fry, Okay. Now, you know, we all know how the lens works. That's why I'm all dark and crispity back up in here. But let's focus in on the fry. Let's hone in on the crispity crunch of that French fry. You bite the fry, the fry bites back. That's when you know you have an official French fry. Bang. Mm. Bang. Hit me back one time. Just the right amount of salt, too. Ooh. Now... I want to teach Burger King, I want to teach McDonald's about a cheeseburger, man. This, oh my goodness, oh my damn, oh, I want to say this is an official cheeseburger, hold on, I can't, mm, I had to peel that open real slow because the cheese is going, going ham up in here. Do you see the cheese is still attached to the foil? 
as it's, you know, oozing, oozing out my burger. <laughs> Listen, YouTube, Facebook, I want to get right into it. I want to tell you how official Five Guys Burgers and Fries. When I went to my man that was behind the counter, my man was like, hello, sir, how can I help you today? You know what? That's customer service. Hello, sir. How can I help you today? That's what I'm talking about. You know you can help me, player? Give me a double cheeseburger and some of them fries. And I need something to wash that down with, B. Let me tell you something. This burger, and this is a real burger. This burger is super official. Below it, you see the bacon. I didn't even ask for bacon, but I was thinking bacon. In the back of my mind, when he said, do you want anything else on your cheeseburger, your double cheeseburger player? I was thinking, ooh, damn. Should I get some bacon? Now, let me fall back because I already know those fries are going to be hella greasy. Nah, nah, he put the bacon on there. It was like Five Guys Burgers and Fries is reading my mind. Let's do this. Mm-hmm. Mm. Do you want to know the difference between a, a weak burger and a burger that has strength? A weak burger, you could chew and still talk. A burger with strength, you chew, the meat just absorbs all the space and all the air possible all in your throat to the point that if you want to start talking, nothing but mm, mm, mm is coming out. Word. Five Guys Burgers and Fries. You're, oh my goodness, I got bacon just dropping out. Mm. Damn, damn, damn. That bacon is so serious, boy. That, this is how bacon is supposed to be. Look at the bacon. Look, 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 look. Look at the bacon. All right, most times you find yourself asking for crispy bacon. They don't know how to play the game the proper way. They come out with this real skimpy looking bacon, and it's not even crispy most times. This bacon right here, damn, damn, damn. It's like the flavor of the fries. They just, they blend so perfectly if you don't touch them right away. Now, I wasn't get the fries in the cup. Nah, boo-boo. Let's get the fries in the bag. Mm-hmm. Skimmler rinky dinky dink. Skimmler rinky doo. I love you. Oh, shoot. I just took y'all back. Stop playing. Five guys, burgers and fries. YouTuber ZDAR25 recommended it. Shout out to you, player. It was banging. The whole situation was crazy. I do apologize for the noise in the background because Five Guys Burgers and Fries is right off of a main road. They're going ham over here. And I got the light up over here. And I got my man over here looking at me crazy in his whip. What up, player? Sent you all up in my eyeball. <laughs> I see you, player. You know what I mean? It's your man, man, Dan Drops back again. And I'm out of here one time. Responsibility. How could the Park Service justify denying that organization their free speech rights? 
Because the Constitution does not say that a person can shout, yell wolf in a crowded theater. If you are endangering people, uh, then you're, you don't have a constitutional right to do that. Yes, Nancy, because wolf means something in a fucking theater. What the fuck? Why doesn't that make the media? Oh, I know. She's a Democrat. So this wraps up another episode of Flyover Politic Podcast. Please feel free to share this with your family and friends and send comments by emailing foppodcast at gmail.com. Foppodcastgmail.com. You can get this show on SoundCloud, Podcast Addict, TuneIn Radio, Google Play, iTunes, Blueberry, and Stitcher. Remember to check out the Flyover Politic webpage at foppodcast.com. Fop podcast.com it's a theme there you see links to feeds with the show our email our facebook page and you'll also see a link to every episode on the episode release page and my blogs on the blog page which i will be blogging today with some of these cool cool evil pictures i picked up next podcast is undetermined i'm gonna try to get one in this week by wednesday uh, that would be Wednesday, the, what the frick, the 30th, um, by doing pieces. I, I am working mids now, so I won't have a time to do this. And I'm healing up a very sick wife. So today was kind of fractured. I'm doing it in between bringing her drinks and stuff. She got the Ebola virus on the road. I feel really bad for her. Um, so I got to take care of my baby. I have uh, one personal thing to put out before we close out this show. Uh, due to all the crazy that's been going on lately, uh, I literally got rid of my Facebook page and it's day two of no Facebook and I don't miss Facebook. Facebook has turned into a bunch of goddamn drama with everybody trying to out shame, 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 <laughs> ding a ding ding, everybody over everything. I don't keep up with my kids anymore. So why was I having it? Uh, so for those close friends, they're keeping in track uh, with me because I made a dummy account just so I wouldn't lose my flyover politic Facebook page and my work page, um, which goes in line with what I say at the close of the show. So that's why I brought it up. You know, everything becomes an addiction. The internet's an addictive place. It is, you're not looking at jerk porn and crazy shit on the far deep ends of the evil side of the web. You're on social media dicking around all the time, liking, poking, Sharing my meal. I realized I got to a point where I lunch with my lady. Nobody gives a fuck that I'm eating lunch. Nobody cares what the fuck I'm eating. About a year ago, I stopped sending pictures of what looked like barf because your pic, your camera doesn't take that good of pictures. But you know, everybody, nobody cares. And it becomes an addiction. I realized for me it was addiction. I was always checking Facebook. Nobody was talking to me. I had like 400 fucking friends. None of them talked to me. Most of them reached out. Oh, I missed you. How you doing? Yeah. And that's it. We never talked again. Other than the close friends. Like Steve in Florida, which is what I want to close on. I have added Steve in Florida as a contributor to the show. He will be doing the webpage and the Facebook and doing posts and eventually start blogging and giving segments. Um, I will start him because I got to come up. I didn't fix a bumper sound for, I don't know if I want to call him Florida Man, Florida Man or LT, uh, LT Corner. I think Florida Man's overused by Dana Loge. So um, just want to announce he, he has to do it. He's going to do it. So occasionally you will see other than me posting on the Facebook page and other than me posting on the blog and my webpage will look incredibly more awesomer because he does graphics. I don't. 
That's why the whole thing upgraded with the branding uh, about a month ago. So I want to thank him for kind of being volunteered, but accepting to be volunteered. I guess how we could say that and look forward to whatever we're going to name at corner pretty soon with his input on the show. Like we did with big sis motivational corner and the libertarian corner for a while with my son. Uh, we're going to roll out a new segment that he'll be his input, but simultaneously you will see his blogs and you will see posts on Facebook. That won't be me going forward. So really means a lot. That you follow the show, but please follow those two platforms because there's a lot more content coming. Um, I want to start incorporating all the bullshit I used to put on my own Facebook page. I'm going to start throwing some over there on the Flyover Politic Facebook page uh, to make it more interesting. So enjoy your family this weekend. Enjoy the weekend. Pretty soon we're going to hit fall, so you got to enjoy those last beautiful days because pretty soon we'll be hip deep in snow or ice or rain and wishing it was summer again. Thanks, as always, for listening, my friends, and take care.